VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Hello, my friends. How are you? Welcome to this thing of ours we call the Financial Physician Radio Program, where we get together each and every Monday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. on the West Coast, and we talk about money, we talk about markets, and we talk about politics. Why politics? Because politics affects markets and affects our financial health in so many different ways. I want to talk about some of the things that are going on with the IRS, the scandals in Washington, and how it may affect you and how it may affect markets. We're also here to take your phone calls and answer any question on any money matter, 866-472-5788 is the call number. My email address is lou at the financial physician. Com. So let's start off talking about politics. Let's talk about what's happening uh, in our nation's capital. And I got to tell you, um, this IRS scandal. I mean, there's a number of scandals in Washington that the administration is dealing with. We have the the ongoing Benghazi scandal, where the talking points were changed, and uh, it seems like for months uh, the State Department uh, was getting um, requests for more security in Benghazi and turned them down. And then we had. Um, the changing of the talking points, and then uh, where was Obama during all this? And uh, this story still has uh, a lot of legs to it, and we still don't know what the facts are regarding Benghazi. You know, why did we not intervene when we had the opportunity to do so? And why was it so important to the administration to uh, to change the talking points and, and basically uh, come out with a fabrication that this was all due to a video or something like that? So. Uh, the administration is bogged down in that, and then we had uh, the news last week that uh, the Justice Department uh, subpoenaed phone records for two months from the Associated Press without telling them, and that was due to some kind of a leak uh, that came out in the, uh, the Department of Justice uh, really going after the press and the freedom of the press. Chilling stuff that we see, but I think the, the biggest scandal right now uh, is this IRS scandal where for for a good two years, uh, the Internal Revenue Service was targeting conservative groups who were applying for tax-free 501c4 status. And and, and this has got to be chilling to every American. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican, you're a conservative, you're a liberal, because it's different administrations. We know that uh, in the presidency, we have Republican administrations, we have Democratic administrations. So we don't 
need uh, to fear the IRS is going to be used by an administration to target political enemies. And that's exactly what happened here, is that the IRS singled out conservative groups, groups that had patriot in their name, groups that want limited government. And all these groups were uh, targeted and they were denied tax-free status or they were made to jump through so many different hoops as much as asking for a, a list of donors to their uh, 501c4 organization, as much as wanting to know what type of prayers are said in any organization. If that's not outrageous, I don't know what is. And this is not a partisan issue. I mean, everybody in America, and, and rightfully so, I think we're seeing a significant amount uh, of indignation on, on both sides of the aisle. Now, look, the Democrats know that this is really a political hot potato for them. I mean, sure, they want to back the administration. Uh, they always do. Uh, but they also have to worry about being reelected here. And the average person, the average American, if there's one thing they know about government, it's about the IRS. They may not know how the EPA works or how the education department works or the energy department, but they know how the IRS works because we're all intimately involved with them. And nothing makes people more fearful than when they get a letter from the IRS. In the, I know this is – I've gone through it myself. Now, I've never been audited. Maybe I'll be after this radio program. Who knows? Uh, I, I have never been audited. Uh, but you do get these things in the mail sometimes where they're requesting more information or you forgot to you know, put you know, a small interest uh, on your tax return. You, you misplaced a 1099 or something like that. But that is the one envelope. I think that universally, I think that Americans open up while they're standing at the mailbox. First of all, your, your heart palpitates a few times. You say, oh, God, what is this? And you open up the letter standing in your driveway at the end of your driveway by your mailbox and you read it. And more often than not, it's not something too serious. But just the fact that your heart skips a beat uh, and you do get nervous and anxious because of any communication from the IRS shows you how uh, intimidating uh, the IRS can be. Now, to make things worse, not only did the IRS make it difficult for these um, – conservative organizations to get tax-free status, delaying them for years in some cases, uh, information was leaked to left-wing organizations. People who donated to some of these groups, their names were released. I mean, talk about outrageous, talk about illegal, talk about abuse of power. This is it. And this is what everybody's always feared, that the IRS or your government in general could be turned against you. And this is the most egregious situation that we've ever seen in that regard. And again, Americans are right to be outraged. And I'll play a little audio later on in the program uh, from some congressman uh, from the hearing on Friday uh, with the IRS commissioner. Now, what amazed me about that hearing was here's an IRS commissioner who uh, is being forced to resign. Now, the guy was going to resign in a couple of weeks anyway, so, I mean, who are they kidding? All right. The guy was going to retire and resign anyway. And this guy wasn't even the acting uh, commissioner at the time these uh, quote-unquote crimes took place. So he was a sacrificial lamb. But the people who are actually involved in actually doing this, at least from who we know, 
are still at the IRS. This woman, Ingram, uh, who was the head of that department that was targeting these conservative groups, is now the head of the department implementing the IRS's side of Obamacare. Do you believe that? I mean, you can't make this stuff up. This woman now, who used the IRS to intimidate political foes, now will be in charge of uh, everybody's health care issues, as far as the IRS is concerned. Now, if any head has to roll, her head has to roll. But what was this all about, really? Why were they doing it? Well, I think it's pretty obvious to anybody with half a brain that the reason they were doing it was part of, uh, of, of a way of influencing the election, the presidential election of 2012. After the Citizens United verdict, which allowed these organizations to do what they do, uh, a lot of groups went for this status. Progressive and liberal groups were pushed right through without any problem, and conservative groups were stymied at best. Why? So they couldn't raise capital in a tax-free way and influence the election and, and have their, their voice heard. It was, you know, trying to – It's part. I think it was part of a, a multi-pronged process of influencing the election. So, all right, so you stop the funding and make it difficult for these organizations to get funding so they can't run their ads and maybe influence the electorate. Uh, that's one way of doing it. And there's so many other things that they could have done and have done to suppress the vote or influence the vote. But this was one of them. Same thing with Benghazi. The reason why I didn't tell the truth about Benghazi was two months before an election. Their narrative was that they had gotten Osama bin Laden and that terrorism was on the wane. And Al-Qaeda was done. Well, obviously, that wasn't the case in Benghazi. This was a terrorist attack by radical um, Islamists. And it didn't fit with the narrative that the election or the campaign wanted. So what they did is they, they just changed the story. And now we have uh, the third scandal with, uh, with them going after the press. So there's multiple amendments to the Constitution that are being... Really trounced here. You know, we know they're going after our guns. That's the Second Amendment. All right, now the First Amendment, freedom of speech with the press. And I'm not sure what part of the Constitution the IRS scandal has to do with it, but obviously uh, citizens in the country are not being treated the same. And again, it's very chilling. Very chilling. And the question I have is what don't we know that this government is doing? I mean, if they're corrupt in this regard, and I don't know how high it goes. Who knows yet? That's what investigations are all about. But obviously this government, this administration is corrupt and do, will do whatever it takes to achieve its goals, regardless of the rule of law. And that has to concern each and every American, and everybody should be outraged. Now, maybe it's good this came up. Maybe now we could uh, um, investigate this deeper, stop it from happening. Throw some cold water on this administration and its ambitions. And when you have a government that's willing to do anything to achieve its goals, then you have a totalitarian government. Because no longer is the rule of law something that they have to be concerned with. And on the Sunday shows, the uh, administration put out this guy, uh, what uh, Pfeiffer, I think his name is. And 
he basically said the rule of law is irrelevant when he was talking about the IRS situation. Irrelevant. He used the word irrelevant a number of times on a number of different subjects regarding these um, scandals. Now, he went on to try to clarify himself later on in the day and said, you know, I didn't say the rule of law was irrelevant. Uh, whether it was legal or illegal, it was wrong what the IRS did. And it was interesting to hear the IRS uh, Acting Commissioner Miller say on, on Friday uh, that he didn't believe that targeting certain groups was illegal. He didn't believe so. And he said the Inspector General's report also did not indicate whether there was any criminal wrongdoing here. Now, if it's not illegal to target specific people because of their political views uh, through the IRS, then it very well should be legal. Illegal, I should say. How can it be legal? I mean, that would be totally outrageous if that was legal. So we've got an administration right now that is dealing with a lot of things. Um, there, you know, the second uh, term is usually a difficult term for most presidents, and uh, this president's uh, second term has started out uh, with uh, an amazing number of scandals and problems. We still have significantly high unemployment in this country. The economy stinks, and many people have lost hope that things are going to get better anytime soon. And then you add to that the problems that we're seeing in Washington. And, you know, Americans have, most Americans have lost confidence in their government before these scandals. Our view of the government has been very, very low. Uh, Congress polls a, a 10% approval rating. So we don't trust our government as it is. And now we have these scandals happening, especially the IRS scandal, where it's being used to target enemies of the government. Uh, chilling indeed. Chilling indeed. And this will take the administration away from its other things that it's trying to do. Maybe that's a good thing. But this isn't going away anytime soon. This administration is going to be dealing with scandal for some time. And the way they're handling it is pretty bad. They're obfuscating, not providing documents, uh, parsing words, and rejecting that it's even a scandal. So that tells you if they are not being cooperative, and nobody knows nothing. Eric Holder knows nothing about the AP thing because he recused himself and knows nothing about it. president knows nothing about it. The only time he finds out something, it's in the newspaper. Well, who's running the government? And if they don't know about it, the higher-ups in government don't know what's happening below them, then we have a government that's out of control without any leadership. Very, very serious times here in America. I'm telling you, it is. Meanwhile, stock market hits record highs and nobody knows what's happening there, which we'll talk about uh, later in the program. All right, time for your phone calls. 866-472-5788 is our phone number. We take any question on any money matter right here on the Financial Physician Radio Program. We're going to take a short break. My name is Lou Scatigna. You're listening to the Financial Physician right here on the Variety Channel on voiceamerica.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Financial Physician. And America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you. Call with your questions now at 1-866-472-5788. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5788. Once again, here's Lou. Hi, welcome back. Lou Scatigna here, also known as The Financial Physician. We get together each and every Monday for one precious hour of money talk, commentary, political talk, and that's uh, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on Monday and 6 a.m. on the West Coast, right here on the Variety Channel on VoiceAmerica.com. Uh, All right, phone number is 866-472-5788. My email address, Lou at the com. I answer each and every email. You have a money question or comment you want to talk about the show, you want us to go in a certain direction, you want us to cover something, let us know. And uh, before we went to the break, we we're talking about scandals in Washington and, and, and how I feel it's it's so important and it and it's a big big issue. And I think uh, uh, you know most Americans don't really pay attention to what's going on, uh, and they get most of their information from the mainstream media and so forth. But uh, this is an issue that I think people really need to engage themselves with. I mean, this is uh, uh, I think this is as serious serious or not uh, or more serious than Watergate itself. I mean, because this is just so pervasive, this issue, and it's affecting so many people. We've heard about 500 organizations, conservative organizations, have been affected by this. But also many individuals have been affected by this. People who are supporters and donors to the Romney campaign have been audited. We're hearing about a number of organizations uh, being audited. So as this investigation continues, we're going to see how pervasive this really was and how many Americans were affected by this. And who knows? It may have made a difference in the election. Maybe if they didn't take these actions and these more conservative groups had more money and they were able to advertise more, who knows? It could have swung the election. That's how important this is. And I think as we see more and more uh, investigation into this, we're going to see a lot more uh, serious stuff come out of this. Now, on um, Friday, they brought up this guy, uh, Miller, who was the acting commissioner of the IRS, and and this guy is everything that's wrong with this administration. 
everything that's wrong. He would not divulge virtually anything. Uh, and, and, and he had kind of an attitude, too. And I wonder if the administration says, I got your back, you know, just be quiet. He didn't remember anything. He wasn't prepared. He didn't bring notes. Uh, it looked like he didn't want to cooperate at all. And he wasn't cooperative during the hearing. Now, uh, Rep. Mike Miller from uh, Pennsylvania, uh, he probably got the, the biggest ovation. Uh, he actually got a standing ovation after his rant about what was going on in the IRS. His, and, and, and he had an intense line of questioning. But he laid into Miller uh, with a three-minute rant uh, that I thought was priceless and summed up how we as Americans should feel about what the IRS is doing to us. And I'm going to play a, a few minutes of, of, um, of his rant. This is uh, Rep. Mike Kelly uh, from Pennsylvania. In fact, I would say it doesn't come as a shock. You know what it does for the American people? It really establishes what they feared so often. I have a grandson who's afraid to get out of bed at night because he thinks there's somebody out of the bed that's going to grab him. And I think most Americans feel that way about the IRS. I mean, you get a letter from you folks for a phone call. It's with terror that you look at it. And now this kind of reconfirms that, you know what? They can do almost anything they want to anybody they want any time they want. again after the break because it got a little jammed up in the computer but but he went on to just basically say what what common sense what we all feel that the irs should stay out of our business all right let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about something that i think is very very important for financial success or financial health to use a financial physician term and that's understanding our financial psychology Everybody has a certain psychology, and when it comes to money, we all have a certain type of money psychology, and it really drives how we deal with money and if we're successful with money, and nothing makes people crazier than money, not love, not politics, not sex, not religion. It's money, and trust me, as a person who's been dealing with people for 30 years and dealing with their money, money makes people irrational. They could become the smartest people in the world, could become uh, suddenly totally irrational when it comes to money. For example, when it comes time to pay to check at a restaurant, some of the most wealthiest, most extravagant people may calculate their share of the bill to the penny. Right? They'll do it. You know, it has nothing to do with how much money you have. It's just they're weird that way. And our financial psychology determines how we deal with money. It's important to understand uh, our financial psychology, each one of us, because it will give us um, greater insight on why we handle money the way we do. And, and people tend to make more financial mistakes as a result of their feelings about money uh, than they do because of the financial realities that, that are involved. Again, people are weird when it comes to money. Trust me. Now, essentially, there is two different types of people. You fall into one or two categories. These are basic financial psychologists. I'm going to go into the five specific financial psychologies in a little bit. But let's talk about attitude. There's two different attitudes. There's the attitude of abundance and there's the attitude of lack. You have one of the two. Now, what's the definition of these? Well, the attitude of abundance is believing that we have or will always get whatever we want, whatever we need, 
and we're going to live a good life, and we're going to support our families and ourselves. And those who have an attitude of abundance feel that the world is filled with opportunities and possibilities. Now, I have clients who uh, have little money but have an attitude of abundance. They never complain about their finances. They live comfortable lives. They take vacations. They're generous. And they seem to feel that everything will be fine and that somehow they'll have whatever they need. And again, it has nothing to do with how much money you have. You could have an attitude of abundance and have little money. Uh, you could have an attitude of, of lack, which is the other attitude, uh, and have a lot of money. It has nothing to do with it. Well, what, what's the attitude of lack? The attitude of lack is believing that you may not have or be able to get whatever you need. Uh, and as I, I have clients who are, are millionaires and have an attitude of lack. They're always concerned that they won't have enough. And many of them are tight wads. They're compulsive savers. And they're always worried that they may lose what they have. And many of these people grew up in difficult financial situations as children. And that, that's how the, this, um, this attitude started. Maybe you lived in a family that was on welfare and struggling to get by. And then later on, you're successful, but you still have that attitude of lack. And the way we relate to money has more to do with, with our attitude about life in general than how much money we have. And our feelings of abundance uh, or our feelings of lack uh, do not correlate, again, to how much we actually have, but our financial states of mind. Right? That's what it's all about. It's a, it's, a, it's a state of mind. Now think about it. Do you have an attitude of lack or do you have an attitude of abundance? Think about how you behave and how you think. Now those are who uh, are in the abundance camp. They tend to be investors rather than savers. They're not always looking for uh, the guarantee that safe investments give you, and they're more prone to take risk. They feel that if they lose some money, they can always make it back. Again, abundance. It's always there. People with an attitude of abundance usually live better lifestyles and fuller lives because, again, they're not worried about spending every, you know, every penny. They're not afraid to buy good things in their lives. They're not afraid. And they don't waste much time worrying about the stock market or their mortgages or money in general. Now, if you don't worry about it, I mean, sometimes that could be a bad thing in that, you know, you're not paying attention to your finances. I'm not telling people to be stupid, and I'm not telling people to spend money they don't have. I'm just trying to tell people that you have to have a, the right attitude. And if you have an attitude of lack, you're always worried that there won't be enough. Uh, you're afraid to uh, put money in the market because you're afraid that you'll lose it. And uh, people with an attitude of lack tend to be savers and not investors because they know that their money's guaranteed in the bank. So again, the attitude of lack means that you lack the ability also to make decent money on your money because you're not an investor. You'll get a low rate of return that's guaranteed, but it'll be a low rate of return. And again, the groundwork, groundwork um, for our attitude towards money is uh, founded in our childhood. And we're strongly influenced by our parents' attitude. If our parents had an attitude of lack, uh, chances are the children will as well. And again, our psychology affects how we invest. Some of us are high rollers, gamblers, who are willing to shoot for the moon all the time. On the other end of the spectrum, we have squirrels. Uh, these are frightened investors. These are people with attitude of lack. They're so afraid of losing money uh, that they have money in the most conservative places. 
and there's three in between. And uh, when we go on the other side of the break, I'll go through uh, each of the five different. Actually, there's six different. Um, let me see. One, two, nah, there's, there's five different real groups that I group people into psych- psychologically when it comes to money and when it comes down to investing. And on one end, we have the high roller, who's the crazy gambler. On the other hand, is the squirrel. Now, most of us will fit in between into some of the other ones. So we're not getting into the details of each one, which we'll do on the other side of the break. Uh, we have the high roller which uh, thinks everything in life is a gamble. We have the abdicator. This is a person who takes a little interest in managing their own money. They'd rather do what other people tell them. Then you have the credit junkie. You're a credit junkie addicted to acquiring things rather than building your wealth. The money master, that's who we would love to be. He's like the fitness freak that's always at the gym. Uh, He's obsessed with money and money management and usually very successful with them. And then lastly, we have the squirrel. So when we get back from the break, what we're going to do is we're going to go over um, each one, some details about each one. And what I want you to do, A, is figure out, now you should know by now whether or not you have an attitude of lack of abundance. And now we'll figure out which of the five um, money psychologies you are. So you could have an attitude of abundance and still be a squirrel. You could have an attitude of lack and still be a gambler, Okay. They don't necessarily go together. Now, sometimes they tend to. The squirrel tends to be the lack person, but not all the time. So we'll go over uh, each of these financial psychologies. On the other side of the break, if you want to join us and uh, participate in the program, 866-472-5788 is the phone number. My name is Luz Katigna. Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. It's all about action. Touchdown! Scores. Taking a look at the NBA tonight. Highlights. He's broken loose. He's at the headlines big trade in the nfl this afternoon when you are looking to talk sports look no further than the voice america sports network we bring you some of the biggest names and all the sports news you can handle whether it's basketball the glass football golf racing or the olympics we've got you covered we'll even cover tailgating to the Voice America Sports Network. It's all things sports. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
On The Financial Physician, we don't just cover the good time financial news. We cover the good, the bad, and the ugly. Have a question for America's money doctor, Luce Katigna? Call him now at 1-866-472-5788. Or email the show. Here's the address. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou. Hey, welcome back. Luce Katigna here, also known as The Financial Physician. We get together... Each and every Monday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. on the West Coast for one precious hour of money talk and commentary. And your phone call is 866-472-5788. And we're talking about financial psychology and how important it is uh, in determining uh, financial success. And we talked about the, the, the common attitudes that people have, either an attitude of abundance or an attitude of lack. And it has nothing to do with how much money you have. It's a psychology. It's a, it's a financial state of mind, so to speak. And we said that those who have an abundant attitude always feel that they'll be okay uh, and that they'll never run out of money and that, that things will be fine. And they tend to be more generous, a little bit more aggressive in their investing, uh, and they live a good life. And those with an attitude of lack tend to be more conservative, don't spend as much money, don't enjoy themselves as much, don't travel as much, and usually don't invest. Just put money where it's guaranteed. And then we have five profiles. Okay, Once you have your attitude and you know, figure out what you are, then we have five psycho- uh, psychological uh, profiles. And these are financial psychology profiles. And the first one is the high roller. And this guy thinks that everything in life is a gamble. He wants big returns in a short period of time. He uses high-risk investment strategies and is always looking to hit the jackpot. He usually incurs big losses since his or her investments lack good diversification and asset allocation. He gets bored with conservative long-term investments and tends to speculate in individual stocks, commodities, and real estate. Now, I have clients like that. They are not interested in a mutual fund. They want to know what's the next big – what's the next Google, and they're willing to take risks. Now, of course, the high roller is not necessarily a good thing to bid. Uh, uh, high rollers tend to tend to get hurt. They tend to uh, they're gamblers. Basically, that's what they are. The next uh, profile is the abdicator. And I, a lot of people fall into this profile. They have little or no interest in managing money. Frequently, women who know nothing about investments, but it also includes men. They pr- prefer to have someone else handling their money, and we usually do what their financial advisors suggest. They're usually trusting and often surprised when they lose money, and they are frequently taken advantage of by unscrupulous characters out there. Now, a lot of times, the abdicator would be a a widow, especially if she wasn't involved in the family finances. Husband did all the the investing, handled all the bills. He passes away. Now, all of a sudden, she's left uh, with handling things. Well, she's going to be an abdicator. She's going to look for somebody to help her, a family member, a financial advisor, broker, whatever, and pretty much is going to do whatever they say because they don't understand any better anyway. And these are probably one of the most dangerous uh, financial profiles that you can have is to be the abdicator because you don't know what's going on. And that's one reason why it's real important. Uh, uh, by the way, this this is uh, all the stuff about financial psychology is, comes from a chapter in my book, The Financial Physician, How to Cure Your Money Problems and Boost Your Financial Health. You can get it on Amazon.com for I think it's like 11 bucks. You should have it. Uh, we go into more depth on on these uh, financial profiles. 
but one of the chapters in the book deals with the abdicator because it talks about the importance of spousal teamwork for financial success. And a lot of families fail financially because uh, they're not on the same team. This one spouse is doing one thing, the other spouse is handling the money, and it doesn't work out. So it's very important to keep uh, your wife or your husband involved in the loop of investing and bill paying and all that stuff. Um, otherwise, they will become the abdicator uh, when uh, the person who handles things passes away. All right, the next one is the credit junkie. A lot of Americans fall into this, and this is the reason why a lot of families have no net worth. The credit junkie is addicted to acquiring things rather than building their wealth. They are usually in denial regarding their addictive spending. They tend to carry big credit card balances. They drive nice cars purchased with large loans. Uh, And since much of their income goes towards debt payments, they have little savings or net worth. And they wonder why it's so hard to get ahead while they sabotage themselves through needless compulsive spending. How many of you out there fall into that category? The credit junkie. Obviously, a negative financial profile. Addicted to shopping, addicted to acquiring things, and not building any wealth, and usually using debt to do it. The next one is the money master. Like I said before, he's like the fitness freak who spends all his, uh, his time in the gym. He's obsessed with money management. Usually well-educated in all money-related matters. He tends to avoid others' advice and takes full control of his investments. Employs risk controls, but isn't fearful of investing money in a diversified uh, investment portfolio. And he reaches his or her financial goals, but also enjoys his money, uh, his success with money by living an abundant and balanced life. Obviously, this is the, the best profile that you could be. But I would also say this is probably uh, the fewer, fewest percent of people probably fall into that money master. Now, you know that kind of person. You know who that kind of person is. Right? They know everything about money, and they're usually not uh, afraid to tell you about it as well. Uh, lastly, the squirrel, and these people are savers, and they're as conservative as they come. They don't overspend, and they live very frugally. Again, doesn't matter how much money you have, and squirrels usually oper- operate with an attitude of lack because they feel they will never have enough money. And usually uh, most of their money is in the banks or treasury bills. And they'll get low returns because they find the stock market way too risky and they're deathly afraid of losses. And since they get such low rate of return, they they have trouble keeping pace with inflation. And I'll tell you about uh, clients I used to have. I'll use their first names, uh, Les and Alice. These two were squirrels. Both were 67 years old when they came to see me. They had no children, and they had no close relatives. Les was a mechanic. He earned about 45000 a year, and Alice worked in a factory earning about 28000 They owned a small $120,000 home, and he kept the thermostat at 67 degrees to save money. Their only car was a, an eight-year-old Honda, so Alice would walk about a mile to work each day. And uh, three years ago, Les had a triple bypass. Um, heart surgery so that's their basics okay so then I delved a little deeper and looked into uh, their savings well somehow Alice and uh, Les accumulated three and a half million dollars in savings and investments they lived so spartanly that they socked away so much of their income that they built three and a half million dollars 
And when I asked them why they continued to work instead of retiring and enjoying their money, they said that they were afraid that they didn't uh, save enough for retirement. They live with the attitude of lack. Now, I think most of us would be pretty comfortable retiring with three and a half million dollars, especially given the fact that we have we would, they have no uh, beneficiaries, they have no children to leave this money to, even if they spent it all. So I said, "Listen, Tim. We're talking financial psychology, so I'm trying to therap- give them some therapy here." And so I said, "I asked them to imagine that they lived on a large, beautiful lake, and each morning they'd go down to the lake. They would fill their glasses with uh, crystal clear water." from the lake and uh, they would drink the water and uh, they were aware that they need, needed the water to live but after they drank the water they would go to the garage and they would get an 8 foot pole they'd hang a bucket on each end of the pole and place the pole across Leslie's shoulders and for the next 4 hours uh, they would climb a mountain to where uh, they would fill up their buckets in a well then they would hike down the mountain which took another three hours and the weight of the, the, the buckets of water on his shoulders. And when they got to the bottom, they would take the buckets of water and they pour it into the lake. Even though the lake contained more water than they could ever drink in a lifetime. So when I finished with this explanation, Alice became wide-eyed. And she said, I never fully understood my attitude about money until right now. And she uh, added that she would also consider retiring and taking it easy. They never thought about it that's why, that that's what they were doing. Well, two years later, both Les and Alice were still working and saving every dime. <laughs> so it didn't work for them. It didn't work for them. Anyway, let me go back to uh, uh, the recording I tried to play for you earlier um, where uh, Rep. Mike Kelly was talking about the IRS and how intimidating they are and how scary this is. Uh, and, and he gets a, a standing ovation afterwards. There's two possible. Yes or no? Does it come back to DC? Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So DC and Cincinnati, we pretty well connected and understanding what's going on. So this doesn't come as a great shock to anybody. In fact, I would say it doesn't come as a shock. You know what it does for the American people? It really establishes what they feared so often. I have a grandson who's afraid to get out of bed at night because he thinks there's somebody out of the bed that's going to grab him. And I think most Americans feel that way about the IRS. I mean, you get a letter from you folks or a phone call. It's with terror that you look at it. And now this kind of reconfirms that, you know what? They can do almost anything they want to anybody they want, any time they want. This is very chilling for the American people. Now, I know that uh, where you're at, you're, and you're, gonna, you're resigning. You're walking away from it. But this is not going to go away. This is a Pandora's box that has been opened. And I don't think get the lid back on it. And I don't believe that the White House just found out about this in the news report. The president happened to grab a, a TV shot or just read Mr. George's report and said, you know what, Why, we, anybody heard about this before? Um, I'm just getting a first look at this. Shouldn't somebody be responsible? And I'm thinking maybe the executive boss, maybe Treasury falls in there. I'm not sure that, that we understand how that, that organizational chart works. But I, I am really concerned. Now, i got to tell you, uh, where you're sitting, you should be outraged. Uh, but you're not. The American people should be outraged, and they are. And this committee, this has nothing to do with political parties. This has to do with highly targeted groups. This reconfirms everything that the American public believes. This is a huge blow to the faith and trust the American people have in their government. Is there any limit to the scope of where you folks can go? 
Is there anything at all? Is there any way that we could ask you, is there any question that you shouldn't have asked? My goodness, how much money do you have in your wallet? Who do you get emails from? Whose sign do you put up in your front yard? This is a tax question. And you don't think that's intimidating? It's sure as hell intimidating. And I don't know that I got any answers from you today. And I don't know that uh, what Mr. George has done is great work. But you know what? There's a heck of a lot more that has to come out in this. And anybody to sit here today and listen to what you have to say, I am more concerned today than I was before. And the fact that you all can do just about anything you want to anybody, you know, you can put anybody out of business that you want anytime you want. And i got to tell you, you talked about you're a horribly run uh, organization. If you're on the other side of the fence... You're not given that excuse. And when the IRS comes into you're not allowed to be shoddy. You're not allowed to be run horribly. You're not allowed to make mistakes. You're not allowed to do one damn thing that doesn't come in compliance. If you do, you're held responsible right then. I just think the American people have seen what's going on right now in their government. This is absolutely an overreach, and this is an outrage for all America. I yield back. All right. That was uh, Representative Mike Kelly from Pennsylvania. Basically, tell it like it is and how we all feel about this IRS situation. It is absolutely offensive and chilling. All right, we're going to take another break. We have one more segment left in the program. 866-472-5788 is the call number. My name is Lou Skatigna. Don't you go away. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. There are people that are sometimes labeled to be ones who spread conspiracy theories. The truth is, many of these so-called theories are based in actual reality. Despite this, so many people feel powerless to do anything about the flaws and injustices in governments and corporations. Listen for Real Conspiracies with Scientific and Spiritual Solutions with host Dr. Robert Newton and co-host Lele Naruz. Tune into this empowering program every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. There should be mandatory personal finance courses taught in both high school and college. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Financial illiteracy is the number one reason the average American has little or no net worth. America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you now. Give him a call at 1-866-472-5788. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Lou. 
Hi, Lou Skatigna here, Certified Financial Planner and your money doctor each and every Monday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. on the West Coast. And, of course, we uh, uh, have it archived on uh, thefinancialphysician.com, my website, which you should visit each and every day. I have a blog there. I have the archive uh, of the last few weeks' radio programs. And this show actually uh, airs again right here on Variety Channel at night at 9 p.m. Monday nights on the East Coast and 6 p.m. on the West Coast. Of course, it's not live, but it is the exact same show. So you can listen to it virtually anytime because the uh, Voice America archives all the radio shows uh, right on their website as well. Well, it's May. And now uh, we're seeing a lot of graduations. This is graduation season, college graduation season. And um, my daughter is in college right now, so uh, she's getting her college education. She'll be graduating next year. But the question is coming up, and it always comes up this time of year, is college worth it? And uh, it may seem like a loaded question, but is it worth it? Is it worth going into debt? We see a lot of kids graduating from college now with twenty five, fifty, even $100,000 in student loan debt and can't find a reasonable job. And they're seeing a good portion of their income for the job that they do have that they're certainly overqualified for working in Starbucks and, and a good part of their income is now going to pay uh, these student loan payments because now they're out of college. They're going to start paying these things. And college costs have gone up higher than inflation. And the reason why is because the government guarantees student loans. So if uh, colleges raise uh, tuition significantly, well, you know, you're just going to borrow more to pay for it and you'll get that loan. Because the federal government backs virtually almost every student loan now. And the government has encouraged these colleges to continue to increase their costs ahead of inflation. Now, I went on a number of television shows in the past and said college was a scam. That the whole thing is a scam. What they teach us does not prepare us for the world, especially undergraduate liberal arts education. And the costs are just outrageous. And the political uh, leanings of most colleges uh, are left and teach our kids a political philosophy as well. Now, a couple of years ago, uh, I was doing the the TV circuit promoting my book and I was on um, uh, the Willis Report uh, on Fox Business Channel. And it was uh, June of 2011 and we were talking about college. Uh, I had written an article on it and they got wind of it and uh, she wanted me to come on the program. I was I was actually on the Willis Report three times uh, in, in a short order. Um, uh, it's a great show on, on uh, Fox. It comes out in the afternoon after the market's closed. So anyway, I came on and I did a segment with her uh, on uh, is, is college education worth the cost? And here it is. It's gotten to the point where you've got to ask, is education a good investment? Joining me now, the man with the answer, Louis Scatigna, known on the radio as the financial physician. He's also written a book by the same name, subtitled How to Cure Your Money Problems and Boost Your Financial Health. Welcome back to the show. Great to see you again. Good to see you again. You make what is probably a pretty contentious point about the fact that maybe you shouldn't be paying for college. Tell me your thoughts. Well, it's gotten so expensive over the years. About 20 years ago, it was more affordable. The affordability index, if you want to. I use a term, is gone sky high. I mean, actually, it's dropped quite a bit. It's more expensive to go to college now than ever because incomes have not gone up. But inflation in college has gone up tremendously. Oh, yeah. We can show you exactly what that looks like. I think we have a full screen on that, guys. 
you look at the difference between incomes, which are flat, and the cost of tuition, which have risen like topsy. Right there it is. That yellow line is tuition. The blue line is income. It really puts parents in a vice grip. How do you analyze whether or not your child should go to college? What is the financial calculus that you do? Well, first of all, are they motivated? Are they going to succeed in college? Are they going to party for four years? That's the most important evaluation you're going to make right there. Is it going to be worth the money? How much is tuition going to cost? How much is board going to cost and other expenses like books? Then you have to add to it the student loan interest that will have to be paid over a decade. That's a big cost. And then you got to add to it, what if they were working for four years and not going to college, the income earned then? So if you take that equation into account, it's very, very expensive to go to college. Then the benefit, well, are they going to get a good-paying job? That justifies it. And right now we're not seeing that in this economy. Let's look at average student loan debt over time. These are big, big numbers. Uh, 2010-2011, one year. We're talking a lot about a lot of dough there. It's really frightening for people. How, how do you even talk to parents, though, about skipping college? Because it's part of the American dream. People think your kids have to do it. But they don't. If they're motivated, they can start a business. They can go to vocational school or technical school. In this day and age, technical is big right now. In liberal arts, they teach us stuff we'll never use in life. We graduate. There's so many people with the same type of degree. And the big problem now when you graduate the people who've been laid off because of this economy have experience and a degree. So you're fighting against them. Right. And let me tell you, I know so many people in here here in New York City, they go to school here. Uh, they run up $100,000 in debt. They start their first job. They're making 35000 There's no way to pay that back. It's like having a mortgage but not having a house. And if you don't have That's a good right. job, you're finding 30% of your, your income is going to student loans. It's prohibitively expensive. All right. But let's say let's say you really do want that education and you think your, your child is really going to benefit from it. Work hard. They really want to go to school. How do you afford it? What are the shortcuts? The first thing to do is go to community college for the first two years. That'll save about 40% of the overall cost of a four-year education. It's where you graduate from. That's the important thing as far as employers look at. So go to a community college. Also look for grants and scholarships. There's many affiliations and organizations that offer grants and apply for all of them. Stay in-state. In-state tuition is so much cheaper than going out of state. But you know what? The kids go on to get away from mom and dad as far as they can. So why make uh, that move to an out-of-state college and pay twice as much? That's a silly thing to do. All right, I want to show your tips here, true cost of college. I think we have a full screen on that. Help people understand really how to calculate, the, uh, how to think about this. Remember, true cost of college is the tuition plus 5% inflation, lifetime, lifetime student loan interest, and then the four years of lost wages. The costs are higher than you think. Thank you so much, Lewis, for coming in. Great stuff, uh, great information, and I'm sure food for thought for parents out there. So college, you know, it's a gone to the point where it, it, it's not a college. You know, I, I tell clients that come in and say, you know, uh, I got a college problem. I mean, you know, I only have 10000 saved up for my child and he wants to go to school. And it's going to cost us, God, uh, 30000 a year, whatever it is. Uh, what do we do? I go, well, this is not a college problem anymore. And what this becomes is a retirement problem because what happens is the parent then will usually look to uh, either uh, mortgage their house take home equity loans out, so now they have a, they're taking their net worth and they're using it for the child's college education, or they're co-signed student loans, which puts them on the hook for that as well. So it becomes a retirement problem for the parents. And I frankly don't think it's a parent's obligation to pay for college for your children. I really don't. It's a little controversial saying that. Now, I am paying for my daughter's 
quite expensive college education. I could afford to do it. I put the money aside for it. Okay, but many people are destroying their retirement to send their children to college. And if you have a three, four, or five kids that you have to educate, I mean, it is prohibitively expensive. So now your kids go to college, and if they are lucky to get a good job, they're making good money, and you're sitting there broke in retirement. So you don't want to uh, kill yourself financially, send your kids to college. And the tips I gave on the Fox Business Channel, that's the way to do it. Send them to community college. And I don't care. I mean, kids demand they want to go to North Carolina or Duke. You know, they live in New Jersey. No, no, you don't. You don't. No need to go there. You can go locally for the first two years, and you can stay in state. I know. You know, it's not the parents. You know, I don't come from a rich family, and when I um, went to college, I paid for it myself. And I paid, took student loans out. I I, I worked two jobs, and granted, you know, thirty something years ago, it wasn't as expensive as it is now. But relatively, it was. I went in-state, and I paid off every dime of my student loans. So I've done it myself, and I didn't burden my parents who couldn't do it anyway. Uh, but it wasn't their financial issue. It was mine. So you got to make a decision. Is college right for you? You're going to you're better off starting a business or going into a vocation? Or you want to go to school and come out with a tremendous amount of debt, and uh, especially in a very, very bad job market? And the problem with college graduates now, not only uh, uh, is it a bad economy, but they're competing against people who have experience and a college degree. So it's very, very tough for graduates now. It's graduating season. If your children are graduating, congratulations, but uh, they have a lot of difficulties ahead and a lot of debt most likely either on their shoulders uh, or your shoulders. All right, we come to the end of our program. It goes so fast here on The Financial Physician. I call it the fastest hour in Financial Talk Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember my website, thefinancialphysician.com. Visit my blog each and every day. If you want to send me an email, my email address is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Love your emails, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Have a wonderful week, and please join me next Monday and every Monday for the next edition of The Financial Physician. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.